Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'll be showing you how average, everyday people have chosen to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope this podcast will allow you to feel a connection with people who have something in common with you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Hello, podcast listeners. Today, I have a very, very special guest. I have my dad, Howard Roberts, on today. So thanks, Dad, for doing the show. I'm so excited to have you. Well, you're very welcome. I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah, so I, we had talked about this, and actually, you were like, I want to be on the show. And I talk about you and mom all the time and say, you know, everyone knows from hearing the show or hearing me in real life that I grew up in this amazing home and I have great parents. And so I wanted to ask, you know, what is your definition of what a great parent is? Wow, that's a pretty, uh, pretty open-ended question uh, with many answers. Um, I think uh, what works for me um, is I've always had the ability to put myself in somebody else's position. And so right away, no matter how old the child is or how old that, that person is, I tried to put myself in their shoes. And I did that with you many times uh, as a young adult. And, uh, you know, try to understand, you know, your point of view, your perspective, uh, not to think that my perspective is the only one that counts. And by listening and allowing you to feel comfortable in expressing yourself helps me learn from you and, and learn from myself. and. And then I think it just kind of goes from there. So we're just really, um, I've always treated children as equals. I've always treated children as people. I've never looked at them as anything less. And uh, I can learn from them as hopefully as much as they can learn from me. And so that's always been my kind of perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm the oldest of three with, you know, my brother and sister being uh, seven and eight years younger than myself. When, where is like that balance you think as a parent between, especially when they're young, when they're under 18, of allowing them to express themselves and be who they want to be, but then also not necessarily letting your child control your life, you know, you having some sort of discipline, like where is that balance or where do you think that you had that as a parent when we were young kids? Well, with, with my experience, you know, I had to figure out a lot of things uh, on my own. Uh, so. Uh, of course, I made many mistakes, you know, during that journey, during that effort. Uh, but I accepted those decisions. I learned from those mistakes um, and hopefully grew from those mistakes. So I was always pretty much an independent thinker. Um, and I always wanted my kids to, you know, be the same. And so I think a lot of that translated into my parenting. Um, I always used to say that. I'm a very balanced person, whether it's personally or professionally, where definitely I have dreams and goals and aspirations, especially being a, a creative person. Um, but I always, because I had to do the work, um, I understand the work and effort and commitment involved to making dreams a reality. So I was always very balanced that way, uh, kind of continue to stay balanced that way from a, a young adult uh, onto adulthood and as a parent. Um, and then you've heard me say many times um, T 
to you or to other parents or other adults that I'm a true believer in, you know, sharing what you love and sharing your passions and sharing the things that inspire you and sharing that with the people around you and, of course, your children. Um, But never share your fears, never share uh, the things that you're afraid of because you're going to condition the people around you by sharing those things. And I would never want to condition anybody in the way they think and feel, let them figure out things on their own, but at the same time, share with them the things that I enjoy. And if they find enjoyment in it, I hope they'll pursue it as well. So. Yeah. And I, you know, like I said, I've, I've said this many times, you know, you and mom have done a tremendously good job of doing that because I think the way that I was parented is the way that I interact with others or my students um, in finding that balance between like, okay, I feel like you always taught us like, here's the reality. Like, yeah, you have to pay your bills. You have to live on your own. You have to do these things, but still go out and do what you want, but it's going to be hard work. Like there was always that kind of balance of like, you can do whatever you want, but there's going to be effort behind it and you're going to have to work really hard to be there. And I think that has served me well. And as I try to instill that same level with other people I meet, um, I think it's an important lesson to learn. Yeah. Well, again, you want, you know, as a parent, you want to kind of, you know, insulate your kids a little bit and uh, obviously protect them from harm. Uh, But at the same time, you know, it's a big, big world out there. And, you know, as I've always said to you and your brother and sister, you know, our job as parents are to give you the tools that you can coexist in the world. The minute you think the world is going to revolve around you, you're in for a rude awakening. So you need to find your place. You need to find your value. You need to find your contribution to yourself and and the people you touch and the things that you aspire to do. Uh, but it's got to be value based. And and you know you and I talked about this too. Um, I think the most debilitating thing and the most crippling thing uh, that is out there is uh, people that live in fear. And that fear, you know, drives a lot of people and drives a lot of their lives and directions and decisions they make in their life, in fact, their entire life. But, you know, that fear um, is really an undertone of a a good self-esteem, a good uh, self-image of yourself. And as a parent, uh, as an adult, and as a person, um, you know, I kind of developed that first. And I really wanted to instill that in all of you. And that's what mom and I tried to do, that we wanted you to feel comfortable in your own skin, comfortable with making your own decisions. We would say that if you were in an uncomfortable environment uh, that you don't want to be in, we're a phone call away. Don't feel uncomfortable to say, you know, come pick me up. Um, You know, but that was really the, the, the major focus for me as an adult to make sure that you guys were comfortable in speaking your mind, sharing your ideas, um, being comfortable in making mistakes, um, and but being in a position to evaluate those mistakes and and give you the tools to say, well, okay, I learned from this. How do I fix it? It's uh, it's not going to prevent me from moving forward. So it really, to me, it's just amazing. I deal with so many people at so many different levels. Uh, being in business 40 years, uh, from employees to customers to everything in between. And uh, it always comes back to their fears 
um, are just, again, you know, driven by a very weak self-image or self-esteem that they have of, of themselves. And they're afraid to say, um, I don't get this. I don't understand it. Please help me understand. Because that shows weakness, but that really isn't a weakness. That's really showing a strength to say, you know, I want to lo- I want to learn. I want to grow. Um, or that I have different ideas or I think about things differently and gee, what will people think of my ideas? Um, but to me, that's, that's really strength that you're thinking outside the box. You're thinking outside the norm. You're evaluating things differently and assessing things differently and bringing something different to the table. I mean, to me, that's tremendous value personally and professionally. Uh, and that's how, you know, new ideas move forward. So, but until you have a good self-image and a good self-esteem, none of that's possible. And again, not to be redundant, but that's really what was always my focus. Um, I would say to you guys sometimes as a young parent, I'd say, hey, I'm going to make mistakes. Um, I'm learning as I go too. So if I make a mistake, you know, tell me. If I said something that uh, upsets you, tell me, because I'm learning as I go, too. This is the first time I've been a parent, you know. So so I was just very open to that kind of uh, uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I can, you know, you guys still are that way, and I think that's awesome. Um, I am, you know, grateful constantly because I've realized it's not the norm to have parents that care in the way that you guys do, which is crazy to me because I feel like that should be a natural thing, which kind of brings me to know, you know, your background and how you were brought up. And we've talked about this and, um, you know, I think a lot of times people repeat patterns, you know, they, they teach people how they were taught or how they were raised or my mom always did this. So I'm always going to do this, but I feel like you're very, very different, uh, in how you were raised versus how you parent. Um, and we've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it again. You know, where does that come from? So if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, your past and then kind of that journey of like, how do you break that cycle and say, I'm going to do something different and I'm going to be and parent in a way that I feel is the right thing to do. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complex, um, answer because it comes through the evolution of, of, of many things you experience as a, as a young child, as a child, a teenager, a young adult, an adult, um, you know, without getting into detail of my past and uh, coming from a very dysfunctional uh, environment and a very dysfunctional family. And primarily the culprit of that was my father. Um so during his existence, you know, I just did what I was told, not knowing right from wrong. Um, and then after his passing, uh, which was, as you've heard me said many times, uh, his best day and worst day and my best day and worst day. But, um, you know, basically at nine years of age, I was pretty much the man of the house, had to figure out you know, what all that craziness was in my life. Um, So I did a lot of internalizing. Um, That doesn't mean as a nine-year-old kid, I had any of it figured out. Um, All of a sudden, I had to be responsible for different things, which is taking care of my 
brothers and sisters and taking care of the house and and all that. And I really didn't do a great job of balancing school or my studies. Um, I think sports and art was more of an outlet for me. Uh, but I was definitely lost and, and uh, I fell you know, behind quite a bit um, because I was basically just kind to figure out all the dysfunctions in my life that I experienced. But I really, you know, again, but what ironically served me well is I've kind of, you know, because back in that period of my life, you know, those kind of things were never discussed. They were never shared. Things were kind of swept under the carpet. They weren't discussed publicly. They weren't in the public eye like they are today. Um, so for me, I just, again, I had to internalize a lot of stuff. I'd just ask a lot of questions within myself. Um, what was that all about? What was the reason for that? You know, and, um, and ironically, I always gravitated because I think I had to grow up fast and I had to grow up quickly with the responsibilities that were put upon me. Um, I actually gravitated more to adults and uh, my sister, my older sister did the very same. And so we would always gravitate whether we were at camp, I would actually communicate more with the staff or the counselors than with the kids or when I started my own business, um, I enjoyed working for people that were elderly and being able to help them in any way I could, but also just having conversations with them as a young teenager or young adult. And um, that just kind of, you know, grabbed. So I kind of evolved um, in one area very strongly in just having, I think, a greater sense of insight of myself, uh, insight of the things around me but of course other things suffered and what suffered most was my school schooling um but that didn't really seem to affect me um you know as much as i thought it was going to affect me um because i found other people that were doing quite well in school but um didn't really have a good sense of themselves so it was kind of uh, interesting to me um but, you know, just like your mom and I, we uh, we became, you know, uh, adults and parents uh, very early in life. And uh, for me, much earlier than, than my wife, but with her mom passing uh, before we were even married or even starting a family, you know, your mother had to, you know, figure all that out on her own as well. And uh, we were very supportive, I think, in that effort together of figuring it out. And I kind of knew my role, which was to support the family, you know, financially. And her role was to, we agreed that she would be a stay-at-home mom to bring you up. And, um, you know, it just kind of evolved from there without really getting into, you know, crazy layers of detail. But, like, I, I think what's always so fascinating to me, you know, with people I talk to, but especially, you know, I've asked you and mom this a lot, like, you know, both having been through some traumatic experiences in your life, you know, it either makes or breaks you. And you can either choose to say, okay, well, this sucks and be a victim of it. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to feel this. I've learned from this. And what can I do to persevere and move forward? Like, how do you think you found your ability to do that? And how do you think others can find the ability to push forward um, to be and do better? Um, I mean, you and I have talked about that. And one minute I think that, you know, certain people have a certain inner strength 
that's just, you know, just, it's just part of their makeup. Uh, that doesn't mean another person can't develop that strength. Um, I'm not re really sure where I fall between that category. Um, I know that uh, after the craziness and the abuse uh, ended, after my father took his life, um, you know, I always used to compare like people that survived cancer and they have just a new outlet and a new outlook uh, of life and of their life. So for me, you know, through that, that process of just internalizing um, and asking a lot of questions within myself, a, um, I had a great example of uh, a father who I didn't want to be. I had a great example of a man I didn't want to be. Uh, so it's kind of ironic that uh, his lessons were probably unknown to him because he was just such a mess, but uh, they were clear to me of what I didn't want to be. Um, and then I would always ask the same question. And I still ask that question where I would say to myself as a young person, um, if I had normal parents, had a normal childhood, had good role models and a sense of normalcy, because I was always looking for a sense of balance and normalcy uh, in my life, um, what would have been my capacity? What would have been my realized potential? And uh, so I would constantly, you know, ask that question within myself, which I think, you know, again, like you talked about, you know, that make or break. I think everybody goes through that in their life. And you stand on both sides of that question. And you want this to consume me. And you want this to be how um, I identify myself in my life going forward. Or do I want to, you know, break the chain? Do I want to be different, be better. And so by constantly asking that repeated question, I kept seeking the answer. And that, you know, un ironically became my gift uh, from all the, the craziness I went through, that single question and, and searching for that single answer. Um, you know, even today, you know, I know I haven't reached my, my, my ceiling. So, you know, that that that's what gave me whatever those words uh that feeling that uh came over me uh be kind of became something that defined me as a person and i just kept seeking it i just kept seeking it and i would you know okay let me let me see how good i can do this so let me see how good i can do that and if i failed at it what can i do to to make it better i would do that physically i would challenge myself how far i could push myself or and I used to say still to this day, boy, if I had somebody who really pushed me or who really coached me well or who was in my corner to push me, how far I really would have taken it, um, and, and whether it was sports or, or any facet of my life. But because I didn't have that, um, I just kind of took on that responsibility myself. That's not to say I did not make a thousand mistakes, a thousand bad decisions, believe me. Um, but I was responsible for those decisions. I was responsible for my actions because honestly, there was nobody else to take that burden. Um, you know, so I guess that's my short term answer. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, it's always interesting because, uh, when you're saying that, you know, what would life have been like if it had been better when you were a kid? But I do think that people who've been through adversity, like 
tend to do better than the people who everything is handed to them. You know, I, I've said this to you before, you know, one of the simple things that you and mom had done uh, when I had gotten my license is, you know, you had gotten me this $3,000, like, you know, it was, it was in good condition, little car. And, and uh, you said, you know, Hey, we're going to pay half and you're going to pay half and you're going to pay all insurance. And we're going to show you, you know, how to pay it off, how to break it down. You're going to get a job. And like, even just like a little bit of adversity, something like that was like the day that I like was able to pay it off. I was like, Whoa, like this is mine. And I did that versus like, had you just handed me a car, you know, a lot of people in our area, these kids got these very high end vehicles at 17 years old and they thought nothing of it. So I do think even little adversity, small or big, I think makes a big difference rather than somebody who's handed everything. Oh, yeah. Well, that goes back to what we were saying probably uh, 15 minutes ago, that as a parent, of course, you want to insulate your kids. Um, but there's a fine line of that. And you got to be very careful as a parent or a guardian or whatever role you're having um, with young people and young adults that don't give them this, you know, this full sense of reality. Um, I remember you asked me, uh, you called me one day years ago and you said, you know, dad, you know, how come one day, you know, life is so wonderful and I'm so excited and so up and how literally the next day, you know, it can be such a hard, miserable day. Mm-hmm. And I used to give you, and I gave you examples of, I said, look at the, look at the athlete that hits the game winning home run. And the next night he strikes out with the bases loaded and he's the goat. Look at the doctor that saved a life, you know, and the next day he couldn't save a life. So, you know, life is full of those um, ebbs and flows. I mean, that's just the reality of, of the world we live in. So you need to be able to balance those two and recognize that when you do succeed, enjoy that success. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't succeed, accept the fact that you're not always going to win. You're not always going to have the answers. You're not always going to be able to save that life or figure it out or hit that home run. And, you know, there's so many cliches. There's so many quotes about it's not how you fall. It's how you get up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I my my mindset has always been to move forward. And if something's in my way, um, if I can't go through it and figure it out, I'll go around it, but I'm always moving forward. And uh, that's just a mind, but that it, it all comes full circle. I guess you have to, again, entrust and believe in yourself, have a, a good self image and self esteem of yourself and uh, to be able to get back up. Mm-hmm. And, you know what? And as I'm always, you know, I try to, take all the negative from what I experienced as a, as a young kid uh, from all the ugliness. And, and I try to share my experience with as many people as I can to make them realize that if I can do it, you can do it. And it's within your power uh, to make that change and don't let it cripple you. And don't let the things that, you know, you had no control over, you know, affect uh, your outlook on yourself and your life. And at the same time, the gift back to me, is I've taken something horrible and ugly and made it into something, you know, beautiful by helping somebody else. So it's just amazing to me that if people would realize that most of the the bad things that are going on in their life, uh, most of the time it's they're just a it's just the environment they happen to be in. 
you know, and obviously there's different levels of the severity of that environment, uh, how bad it is, but, and sometimes it's, unfortunately, if you're a young adult, it's not within your control, like it was for me as a child, um, but I didn't let it define me. I, I came to the realization that I just happened to be in the eye of the storm, just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. My other uh, siblings were not affected uh, to the level that I was. My brother wasn't even born yet uh, when the abuse started. So, uh, but the reality for me is simply, you know, I just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's really that simple. And uh, it doesn't have to be to the severity that I went through as a kid. It could be just be the wrong working environment. It could be the wrong circle of people and friends. It could be the wrong marriage. It could be any of those things. It could be the wrong, I'm on the wrong team, you know, and if it doesn't feel right to you, um, it probably isn't right, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited that people are getting to hear this because I talk about you and mom all the time and I think it's neat to, to hear, you know, this is actually how we talk all the time. Like, I think it's really interesting, you know, people talk about coaches and mentors and, you know, you have different people for different things, but, you know, you and mom have been huge influences, even as I continue to be an adult, which is just, I feel very, very lucky and grateful again. And I think, you know, the other important part of, um, like being a good parent and also being a good person is, you know, practicing what you preach and taking action yourself and like kids learn by example And, you know, you were talking about you were not a good student in school, you know, kind of almost barely graduated, but you've been a successful entrepreneur for a long time. Um, And can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how that came about? Because I think people that aren't good in school, you know, especially the era you grow up in, um, they were like, oh, well, you're not going to be good at anything. You're not going to amount to anything, but you've done really well. And that stemmed from hard work. So if you can just talk a little bit about how that came about and like how you were able to make it work in the way that you have? Well, it's really easy for me to respond to that because I've, I've looked at it so deeply and, and, and hard for so long. So I'll kind of give you my overall simple answer because I ask this of, of everybody I come in contact with. And I think the greatest gift that you can give yourself first is understanding what your talent is. And so many people you know, fester over that and stand still and, uh, and simply usually your greatest gift. And I truly believe everybody has a gift, um, that usually your greatest gift are the things that give you the most joy, uh, that you're most passionate about and, and come the easiest to you. And to me, that's the obvious, you know, people, I think overthink it. If you just look at those three things, those are really your answers. And, uh, and the sooner you can recognize that, I think the sooner you'll embrace it and feed it and allow it to grow. Um, so it's right back to just, you know, recognizing those signs and signals. So for me, yes, I was lucky to graduate high school. Um, I was always kind of detail oriented. Um, I remember my mom saying to me that, you know, when I put my mind to something, nobody does it better. And, and and she used to refer to it as if I was scrubbing a pot or scrubbing the tub, you know, that thing would have to be spotless, like it was brand new, because uh, I was very detail oriented. 
And you're still uh, like that, by the way, with cleaning. <laughs> yes. Well, I've relaxed. But, um, and, um, so, and, and, and being an artist, uh, also being detail-oriented, that was the one blessing I got from my father, who was also a creative fashion designer. And uh, uh, so that was the one great quality I got from him. But, um, you know, so when I graduated uh, high school by the skin of my teeth, um, my parents had already moved to California. I'm 18. I'm on my own. Um, had to figure out at least how am I going to first pay my bills. And uh, so just got a job working for a landscaper uh, locally in the town I lived in. Um, I loved being outdoors. I don't like being surrounded by four walls. I love uh, working physically. I loved any type of physical type of uh, effort, whether it was sports or, or just work in itself and being in a different place and a different uh, time all, you know, all the time. And, but it was just a job, you know, to pay my bills. And uh, until I figured out really what I wanted to do, I knew I needed structure. I knew I needed stability. I came from an unstable environment. Uh, I was always looking for a sense of normalcy. Uh, thought about it being a police officer, thought about joining the uh, uh, the army or something to get that structure and discipline I needed. And, um, you know, I asked, I asked the guy for a raise after working very hard for him, and I really enjoyed him and working for him, and he couldn't give me a raise. And uh, I felt that what he was having me do, I could do myself. And I sold my car and bought a truck and started my own business at 18. And again, it was just to pay rent, uh, but it was also to earn more money. And ironically, by starting my own business and knowing that now I'm now being responsible for my well-being and also for paying, you know, for my rent and food and things that I need to, to live. Um, and that I had clients now, you know, counting on me um, to perform. Ironically, you know, that became the structure I needed. Um, I found it interesting when my friends were going to college and coming home, all they wanted to do was drink and party. I really had no interest of doing that. I had to go to work the next day. You know, I couldn't be drunk. I had to go to work. Um, I had bills to pay. Their parents were paying their bills and paying for their college or for the had student loans, regardless the, you know, um, so starting my own company gave me the, the structure I think I needed. Um, and you know, I was just learning by doing. I was definitely more of a hands-on type of uh, person than reading books and learning from other people's experience. I wanted to learn from my own. And I started to recognize that uh, what I was doing when uh, when it came to landscaping um, was actually an art form. And landscape architecture and things of that nature weren't even really recognized professions, you know, back in the uh, mid 70s, early 80s. Um, so I never even thought about becoming a landscape architect. And uh, when I kind of graduated from, you know, cutting lawns and pruning and turf management, things of that nature, I, I had an impulse to to start designing and, and, uh, and building projects. And I recognized this to be again an art form of, of scale and color color and proportions and change of color through change of seasons and and using different materials and I recognized that this was my canvas 
And it just happened to be a living canvas because I tried a lot of different things as an artist. And they just didn't really charge, you know, give me a charge. And so once I realized that this was an art form, you know, the passion just took over and the, the, the drive to learn and the drive to do it better and to, and, to, and to evolve and looking at amazing work that inspired me um, through books, uh, because this is way before the internet even existed. And uh, I just kept aspiring to be better and better. And again, you know, being a quality and detail-minded person that I was, um, I really pushed the envelope as much as I could to meet my own expectations of a certain quality level a certain level of detail, a certain level of finished product. But um, as I say to every person, it goes right back to, you know, you're going to work a lot in your adult life, you know, unless you're in a position that your family can financially support you and you never have to work a day in your life. But that's, that's one in 10 million. So you're going to be working your entire life. I couldn't imagine doing something that I'm not passionate about. How could you go to work every day and not love what you do or be passionate about it? And there's a million ways to make a living. So why not choose one that fulfills you and one that you're passionate about? Because as, as mom would say, you know, one minute she'll tell me I'm a workaholic, uh, which is true. And the other part, she'll say, you know how lucky you are to do what you love. And I said, well, there's really a blend of both. I am a workaholic because to this day, 40 years later, I'm still inspired by what I do, what I create, and sharing those creations and, and seeing people be excited about what I'm doing. So to me, it, it's right back to first recognizing your innate talents and applying those talents, and the rest will just kind of take over. The passion will take over, and, uh, and you'll start to get you know, paid for what you do and do well. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's said in the simplest form, definitely. But um, yeah, I think, you know, with everything we've talked about, it's like, it's just, it's so funny to me, because I remember when I was 18, and I left to go to college. And I had grown up in a home where like, you know, how you treated people, how you worked, like that was like our religion, our law. And I went to college and being like, wait, people don't say thank you. People don't clean up after themselves. People don't help others. People don't, people aren't confident. People aren't doing what they love. And it was so foreign to me that even as I go older, I realize that that has become, unfortunately, the norm. And again, how blessed and grateful I am to have grown in a tremendously wonderful home with two great parents. And I guess, you know, as we're kind of finishing up our talk here, like, what is your, your advice or thought for, you know, allowing more people to to be like you and mom to, in the sense that like you know we hear all the time follow your passion you know listen to your kids you hear those things but you're living it and doing it every day so people that are having trouble finding that what would you say is maybe some steps of action that they could take to get to the place where they're happy with who they are and they have a great relationship with their families well, uh, you know, again, I mean, again, these are all cliches you hear all the time and you see them posted now on social media. And the simplest one always is, you know, only you can create your own happiness. And that is absolutely true. That cannot be somebody else's responsibility. That cannot be somebody else's burden. 
because they're also, you know, how can they make you happy and fulfill you if they're not happy with themselves? So uh, that's where it all stems from, for whatever reason, uh, because I felt religion to be very hypocritical at a very young age. Uh, it was introduced to me, um, you know, to go to temple, for example, and I found it very hypocritical, and that has nothing to do with whether you're Jewish or Catholic or otherwise, that, uh, you know, I was going through abuse, and I was seeing a lot of uh, negative things in my life um, from that abuse and otherwise, but we're still going to, you know, go to church or temple. And uh, so I never really put great value in the religious persuasion because of only my own experience. That doesn't mean if somebody else gets value in that, please, please do it. So, you know, I basically focused more on what I call the golden rule which is, you know, I treat others how I want to be treated. And I live by that rule uh, personally and professionally. And I know how I want to be treated with respect and kindness and understanding. And I want to be heard and I want my opinion to be valued. And I want, I, I don't yell at anybody. I don't scream at anybody. I don't try to be demeaning to anybody uh, because I would never want that on me. So. So, you know, my my religion, if you will, was always that golden rule of treating people how I want to be treated. Of course, that can be interpreted a lot of ways. You know, if a child grows up into an environment that is an ugly environment and that child thinks that that's the norm, how I should treat others and treat myself. Well, that could be problematic. But I, I again, truly believe knowing that I grew up in an ugly environment that as a person, you can still distinguish pain from pleasure. And once you make that distinction, it's pretty obvious what right and wrong is, what pain and pleasure brings. You know, if somebody's physically hurting you and you feel that physical pain, you can't tell me your instinct is, oh, I like that. I want more of that. No, you want it to stop. Or somebody yelling and screaming at you, oh, so I think we all, again, have that power, no matter what environment we grew up in, to truly understand the fine line of good and bad, pleasure and pain, and make that choice, you know. But if you're going to make that choice for yourself, make sure you're making that choice onto others. And, and that will serve you very well, because I'm a true believer, again, that likes attract likes. And you and I always talk about like-minded people more in business than in personal, but it's, it's universal. So you want to surround yourself with people that support you, that love you, that want to hear your voice, that value your voice. You know why? Because you feel the same for them. You want to hear their opinions. You value their presence. You value their existence. So why wouldn't you want to be around people like that? And if you're not, then again, you're in the wrong marriage, you're in the wrong family. Sometimes you're even in the wrong family because the rest of the family doesn't want to make that conscious change. You know what? Get the hell out, you know? And again, because, you know, a lot of your life is your your working environment, same thing. I mean, you and I would talk about all the time when you'd be going on interviews. I'd say, well, you're interviewing that person as much as they're interviewing you. 
you know, do you, re- do you respect the person on the other side of the phone that's interviewing you? Do you believe in their culture? Uh, do you value their process? Do they have the same value system? You know, do you believe in what they sell? Um, and that could be the same if you're dating and you're sitting in a booth across from somebody and you're hearing them speak. And uh, do you value what they're saying? Or, you know, it's time to either tell them how you feel and see how they react or extinguish yourself from that environment. Because usually people that don't talk, if they're negative or they don't talk well of themselves or others, they still haven't found that happiness within themselves. So it comes full circle. Yeah. Well, I, again, I'm just, I'm so grateful. And I just, I love you, dad. And I'm glad that we were able to, to share this with everybody. So thank you for being on. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would greatly appreciate a review over on iTunes. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, be sure to message me over on Instagram at Kerry, K-E-R-I dot N dot Roberts. Remember that each of us has something that makes us great. So go out there and show the world what makes you great.